And Abraham and Sarah began, began to get old. Uh, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. And how many people know that's way too old to have kids? Anybody say amen? I'm 69, that's way too old, you know. But God had a promise. And with their age going up, they got in a hurry and they wanted to help God. And so what Abraham did was he had sex with Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. And from Hagar came Ishmael. From Ishmael came the Arab nation. From the Arab nation came Muhammad. And from him came the religion of Islam. That's the descendants of Abraham through Hagar. If you will, the son of promise came from Sarah. And that was Sarah begot Isaac. And from Isaac came the Jewish people. And from Jesus came out of Judaism. And there came, if you will please, Christianity. Uh, the only thing on this chart that I would kind of put a question is you could put Judaism here. And you could put Judaism on this line too. Because Jesus did practice Judaism when he came. He kept all the sacraments. He, he kept the Passover and everything. And so what I see is, is this. Here we've got the battle. The problem that happened hundreds, thousands of years ago, we're still paying the price for today. That's why you see Hezbollah. That's why you see Hamas. That's why we have 1.9 billion Muslims. Personal opinion, and, and you know my, my tradition is I tell you personal opinion when i getting ready to tell you my opinion. My personal opinion is I believe Antichrist is going to come out of Islam. I believe with all my heart. If there's anything on the planet that is anti-Jesus Christ, it is Islam. And I'll tell that with Facebook and everybody else listening. Uh, I believe it's the truth, and I believe that we need to be aware of it. Anybody say amen? So if you would, please, let's, let's know where we're at. The third point I want to emphasize is this. Messiah will reign from Israel. One future day, Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, I did a podcast, and there's a little bit of a misunderstanding about the return of Christ. Because, if you will, there was this first advent of Christ. That's what all of this celebration is. Jesus came. He came as a baby in a manger. But I'm going to tell you, he's going to come back again. He's not coming back as a baby in a manger. He's not coming back as a suffering Savior. Anybody say amen? He's coming back the next time what we refer to as the rapture of the church. Uh, you'll not see the word rapture in the Bible, but it, rapture means to be caught away. I'm enraptured with the love of Paula. I'm caught away in the love of Paula. Wasn't that romantic? Yeah, isn't that great? Glory. And so that's to be raptured, to be caught away, to be with Jesus. And thank God for that promise. On that day, First Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that Jesus will not touch on the planet. He'll not touch ground. He says that he'll be in the sky and that we'll go to meet him in the sky. First Thessalonians chapter four. And thank God for the promise of the rapture. But then Jesus is coming back again. And when he comes back, this what we would third, and, and, I, and I know it sounds a little confusing, but he came back as a baby. He came first time as a baby Christmas. He coming back in the rapture. But then he's coming back again in what we call the millennial reign. Uh, Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation chapter 19, he's coming back on a white horse. And he's coming back and there's something written on his thigh. And it's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Anybody say amen? And he's coming back to establish his kingdom on the planet. 
It's referred to as the millennial reign. Here's some scriptures for that. Here's your scriptures to study. And if you will, in Isaiah 2, 1 through 4, the nations of the world will flow to Israel and the word of the Lord will come from Jerusalem. If you will, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, Messiah will reign upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. That's the Messiah. That is the longed for one. We believe Jesus Christ is Messiah. The Jews do not. And in fact, in Judaism right now, in Israel right now, I'm going to give you some quick statistics. And that is Israel, there's some 81% of Israel is Jewish. Of those 81%, the other percentage is Christians and other percentage of them is Muslim in Israel. But in Israel, this 81% that are Jewish, only 40% of them are, let me do it the other way. 40% of them are atheists. They do not believe in God. I'm going to, another video on prime time that I suggest you watch is against all odds. It's all about Israel and the miracles that have been happening. There's a non-believer that goes to Israel, Michael Goldspan, and he does a report interviewing Jewish soldiers of miracles that happened on the battlefield. And over and over, these Jewish soldiers say, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God, but this happened and now I do. I'm going to tell you that Israel today is some... 40% atheists. They don't believe in God. Uh, we have this tendency to think that all Israel believes in Jehovah God, but they don't. 40% don't. Something's going to happen to turn Israel around. God's going to get Israel's attention. And I, I, I pray that we're ready for it. I pray, uh, we sung about it a while ago, and I, I love Julie and her ministry. And the reality is, is this, there's going to be a revival that's going to come to the church. I believe there's enough people here that have enough understanding of what's happening in current events that there's going to be an awakening that comes to the church. There's going to be a great falling away too because those that are yawning and say, well, I don't care about that stuff. Man, the preachers are so boring. Uh, well, there'll be a falling away too because I'm reading a book right now, which is The Great Dechurching of America. 40 million people have left the church in the last 25 years. 40 million. What we see is, is this COVID hit the church bad. And, and if you're watching here and, and Pastor Marcus, uh, I'm saying this, not him. So if you don't get mad at anybody, get mad at me. And that is if you're watching this only because of COVID took you out of church and you're healthy enough to be back, you need to get yourself back in church. And see, the enemy has won in, in defeating many Christians through COVID-19. And we need to get the victory back. Amen. Revelation 19, 11 through 20 and six, that's Jesus coming back to set up that millennial reign. And we believe Jesus is the Messiah, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Second uh, Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. Th this, is, this is what is amazing to me, but scripture tells us about it. And that is, why doesn't Israel believe? You know, all the Old Testament, they believe in the Torah, they believe in the Old Testament and all those prophecies concerning Jesus, you know, and why don't they believe? And scripture tells us that there is a veil over the eyes of Israel, but also it tells us that one day the veil is going to be removed and Israel is going to see Jesus for who he is, the Messiah. Today we see Jesus as Messiah. Anybody say amen? amen. Jesus is Messiah. He has come and he's coming again. Amen. And thank God for the promise of Jesus' first coming and of his second coming. Notice this promise. In Zechariah, it tells us something is going to happen. When you go to Israel and you look at Temple Mount, 
uh, and I'm on the uh, eastern side of Israel, or excuse me, Temple Mount, looking at Temple Mount. There's the Kidron Valley, and in the Kidron Valley on the other side is Temple Mount with this wall. This wall has an eastern gate, and here's a prophecy, and it's Zechariah 14 and 4. It says, and in that day his feet, Messiah, will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, the other half shall move toward the south. Okay, that is a promise concerning Messiah. We believe Messiah is Jesus. He's gonna come down. This is a picture that I took while standing on the Mount of Olives. This is on the Mount of Olives looking towards that city of Jerusalem, looking towards Temple Mount. And here is that gate that is talked about. This is the Eastern Gate. Uh, this is the Mount of Olives. If you look to the right here, there's the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's this Kidron Valley and right there. And of course, this is Temple Mount. And this here is the entrance gate that is referred to in Zechariah. Uh, the Muslims, the, the Ottoman Turks, when they took control of Israel, and they controlled Temple Mount. Notice with me, they blocked it up. They put blocks in the entrance of the city from the eastern side because they have heard that prophecy and they say, nobody's gonna enter into this eastern gate. But the reality is, Jesus is gonna enter through that gate. <laughs> and let, let me tell you, no, no stones and no blocks are gonna keep him out. He's amen. And so the promise is that Messiah will reign and rule from Israel and Jerusalem. Very critical people, very critical place to God. Number two, what the Bible teaches about today. This is critical that you understand today. Now I shared some of these things with you, but I believe that the best source of understanding the current events that you're living in is Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. It's critical that you understand them. In Mark 24 and 3, it says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Do you see something critical there? It was three questions that they asked. That's why many people don't understand Matthew 24 or Mark 13 or Luke 21, is because in, that, in those chapters, he's answering all three of these questions. And so you've got to divide it up and be able to understand. Because what Jesus had just said is that one, not one stone will be left on another concerning the temple. Uh, what, what had happened is, is this. Understand he's on, sitting on the Mount of Olives. Right there you can see Temple Mount. Right there you can see the temple of yesterday. And what, what Jesus had just said, he gave a prophetic word. He said, not one stone will lay upon the other concerning this temple. And the, the guys were saying, uh, the disciples, they were saying, man, look at the temple. Herod just did this major reconstruction of the temple. Look how magnificent this temple is. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left on top of the other. And what happened in 70 AD after Christ's death and resurrection, Titus, the Roman emperor, came into Jerusalem, or the general came into Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple when they burnt the temple, the gold of the, of the fixtures of the temple melted down into the mortar of the stones. And to get the gold out, they had to literally take every stone off the other. And the prophecy was completely fulfilled in 70 AD. 
What we see is, is this, so understand, I, I put there in, in that, if you'll notice with me, 70 AD is when Titus destroyed the temple. The next thing talked about in this segment of uh, Jesus' teaching is his return, that Jesus is coming back. And then the, he also makes mention of the end of the world. So there's those three areas that he's talking about. And if you'll notice with me, th this is what's critical. And every one of you ought to be able to quote this by now. Because when you look at that prophetic word of end time events, we can put them in three categories. One is man relationship to man. Wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Everything that's happening right now in the world conflict. Uh, man, there's battles everywhere if you keep up with current events. That's end time prophecy. If you will, man in relationship to the environment. Famines, earthquakes, diseases, pestilences, that's the end time. COVID-19 was the end time event. AIDS was an end time event. We, we never heard of AIDS before and then all of a sudden then it appeared. And the reality, all of that is end time events pointing to the return. Fracking, how did God know about fracking? You know, but fracking causing earthquakes. Are you with me? Earthquakes in diverse places. And so, and last one, please note that, and, and let me just be real honest with you, you need to get the last one, and that's man in relationship with God. Because what the Bible tells us is that there's going to be the gospel preached worldwide, but at the same time, the hearts of many waxing cold. In other words, people that won't, won't listen to you, they won't even be stirred in the things of God. Their heart is so cold and so callous that they ignore the word of God, even in the church. That's the hour that we live. But at the same time, the gospel is going to be preached worldwide. And it's so exciting to the fact it is right now yeah. by way of Internet. Uh, we, we I'm a part of a podcast that goes worldwide. And it's exciting to hear things that come in. Uh, when I was pastor at Chickasha, we got people from Saudi Arabia that got on and would make comments about the message. And not all of them are nice or sweet, but the reality is they're listening. Anybody say amen? Thank God the truth's getting out there. And so what we see is, is this, the key is Matthew, if you'll notice with me, verse eight of chapter 24. And it says, all these are the beginning of birth pains. That, that word, that Greek word, olden, literally means birth pains. And again, birth pains, all of you ladies know this if you've had a baby, and I don't know it, but I've been exposed to it because I watched my wife. And that was, Paula had birth pains. And birth pains get more severe and more frequent as you get closer to the birth of the baby. Uh, that's why you say, how, how far apart are your pains? You know? And I remember we lived in Sand Springs and we went to Paula's doctor and was examined and, and we, she was having birth pains and the doctor said, you better get her over to the hospital quick. And so we ran over to St. John's Hospital in Tulsa and uh, was on the highway getting over there. And every time she had screamed and hollered, man, I just pushed my accelerator a little harder, you know, driving a 69 Cutlass. And man, we was, getting, we was doing everything we could to get that thing over there. And we got there and it was just 30 minutes, 30 minutes after we got there, Martha was born. Uh, I parked the car and by the time I got the car parked and found her, the baby was already there. And so the point is, is this, as they get more frequent, more severe, because the people have this argument, oh, we've heard that all our lives. There have always been wars. We've always had disease. People have been, but I'm going to tell you this, as an old dude, we've never seen it in the frequency or the severity that we're seeing it today. 
Can anybody say amen? Oh, you old dudes, can you say amen? Oh, some of you didn't want to admit that you're an old dude. You're an old dude, okay? <laughs> We've seen it. And it is. I can tell you, it's never been like this. God help us. Jesus coming back. It's time for us to be stirred. Anybody say amen with me? It is time for us to be stirred. So if you will, please, where are we today? How close are we to the end? That's a critical question to ask. I believe that we're very, very close to the end. Notice with me in Matthew 24, verse 36, but it says of that day and that hour, no one knows. Not the angels of heaven, but the Father only. So anybody that would come behind a pulpit and say, well, here's when it's going to happen, they don't know. Uh, 88 reasons why Christ was coming back in 88 didn't happen. Anybody say amen? You know, I, I got the book. I saw the book, and I go, that's ridiculous. And so please understand, Matthew 24 and 42, watch. Just because you don't know when doesn't mean you're to ignore it. Because a lot of people say, well, I don't know when, so I'm not even going to study it. I, I, I'm going to put it out of my mind. I'm not even going to think about it. Well, let me tell you, that's wrong. You need to know, because there's people out there that need Jesus, and the thing that's going to get their attention is that Jesus is coming back. You know, uh, y'all know I was a Tulsa fireman before God called me into full-time ministry. And as a fireman, they knew I was a Christian, and, and I it was a youth pastor while I was in the fire department. And, and they'd say, oh, what are you going to preach this Wednesday to the youth? And, and they would be, and over and over, guys would ask me, what do you think about the, what's happening now? I've heard that something about God's coming back. You know, and I'm going to tell you, in our culture, you're the one that's got the answer. And you need to be prepared to give good, clear answers because they need to know that Jesus Christ is coming back and we're watching. If you will, Luke 21 and 36 says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will be coming to pass. So we need to be a praying church. You need to pray every day. You might say, man, be a praying church. Luke 21 and 28 says, when these things begin to happen, look up because your redemption draweth nigh. So the question is, have they begun? Answer is yes, they are. So time, what it is, lift up your head. And I believe that means a lot of things. One is we're lifting up our head and we're looking for Jesus. Another is I'm not going to get all discouraged and all down and all pally face. I'm going to lift up my head and I'm going to thank God I'm a Christian. Anybody say amen? Is that a smile? Put a smile on your face. I'm lifting up my head. Amen. Uh, I, I, we need to get rid of the grouchiness in God's house. Quit being a grouchy Christian. Who wants to be like that? So we're going to lift up our heads because our redemption draweth nigh. Hallelujah. Uh, no, we don't know when the Lord will return. We don't. But we watch. We want to be prepared. We want our hearts right. Let me take you real quickly if, if my clicker will work. There we go. I'm going to take you to Israel. Here's some pictures I've took of Israel. If you will, um, this is the Valley of Armageddon. And I'm standing on top of Mount Carmel and taking a picture to the north. And this is that Valley of Armageddon. And when you're looking at Armageddon, you don't see it right there in that picture. But let me show you something very critical. Ooh, it, there we go. Are you changing that for me? Would you take the next one? 
because I want you to see this. You can't see it always, but if you look real close, can you see something there? Anybody see it? Can you see that that looks like a V? Okay, what there is there is an underground air force. It's an underground, literally, airport for the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. Huge. And when we were standing there on top of Mount Carmel, all of a sudden you'd see there, and there would go a jet flying from underground. And what it is is this. All this area underground, under the Valley of Armageddon, is an airport, and here's the runway coming in, and then they would disappear underground. And I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that it's a coincidence that it's the Valley of Armageddon. I believe God is up to something. And I believe Israel, in their heart, knows, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, if you will, here's the last, and that is, if you, would you do that for me? Take, bring me up to the next one. And that is, what the Bible teaches about tomorrow. If you will, in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 4, notice with me, it gives the details of something that will happen when Antichrist comes to power. I believe Antichrist is alive and well on the planet today. I believe he's already here. I believe his influence has already started. I'm going to tell you that Muslims are teaching things contrary to Jesus. They do not believe that Jesus died on the cross. Now, they have no problem telling you that Jesus is a prophet. They will tell you that. But the reality is they say that Jesus Christ is going to come back. He's going to get married. He's going to have a family. And then he's going to die again. But that's a lie. Anything that discredits the ministry of Jesus Christ in his death, his resurrection, is anti-Jesus, anti-Christ. Because for us Christians, you take away the cross of Calvary, you take away the resurrection, and we have no faith. We might as well close the doors and go home. First Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that. So if all you have is your religion, if all you have is your empty faith without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're of all men most miserable. That's 1 Corinthians 15. So remember this. Islam is trying to totally discredit Christianity. What I see in, in, is this. This is critical. Boy, I'd have this marked in my Bible. And it says that Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's what Antichrist is going to do. Antichrist is going to go to Jerusalem, go inside the temple, and establish himself as God to be worshipped as God. Now, and if you would, notice with me this, this division that I put here. He, oppose, he opposes all that represents God. He wants to be worshipped as God and a God replacement in the temple. And he wants to show himself to be God with lying wonders. That's the heartbeat. That's the passion of Antichrist. Now, I believe the next thing to happen on God's timetable is the rapture of the church. I don't believe that we're going to go through the tribulation. I, I don't believe in a mid or post-tribulation rapture. Some people teach that. I don't. I believe that the next thing to happen is we get out of here. That's the rapture of the church. And then comes what's called, uh, and those scriptures, you can't see them. Let me give them to you. Revelation 6 and 16. It says, 
uh, that during the tribulation the cry is and said to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. There's the key. Uh, put that in your notes. It's Revelation 6 and 16. The tribulation is the wrath of the lamb. It'd be a contradiction of Jesus Christ, the lamb to forgive us, save us, and then pour his wrath out upon us. That's during the tribulation is the wrath. The other scripture is 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10. It says, and wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So Jesus Christ is coming back to gain his church, to deliver us from the wrath that has come. Well, well thank God we're not going to be here during the tribulation. But at the same time, Antichrist is going to go into the temple to set himself up as God to be worshiped in the temple. Now that ought to bring, if you would go ahead, and that ought to bring again some thoughts to your mind. And if you will, please, here is a model in Israel that have models of yesterday's temple mount. This is a model and it de depicts the temple of yesterday. Here's that Eastern gate entrance. Here's the temple. This is all temple mount, Solomon's uh, porch. And this is all that area. If you would go ahead, brother, bring it up to next one. This is what it looks like today. Now I'm standing on the other side and this, uh, this area here is Olivet. This is the Mount of Olives. Uh, this is the Garden of Gethsemane, Church of Nations here. And this is the, looking the other way back towards Olivet. But now on top of Temple Mount is the Allah Mosque, the Dome of the Rock. Bring up the next one, brother, if you would, please. There's, there's the mosque. This is me on top of Temple Mount. Bring up the next one, if you would. And this is inside the mosque. I, I went inside the Dome of the Rock, the mosque, and this is the rock that in Islam, it is the most, it is this, I think the second or third uh, most holy site. Third, okay, it is the third most holy site in Islam. One is uh, Mecca, Medina, and then this place here is the third. And this is believed in, Muhammad never went to Israel, never went to Jerusalem. But the teaching is that Muhammad, when he died uh, in the spirit realm, went to Israel on top of this rock, ascended into heaven on his horse, Barak, not Obama. Okay. And so anyway, so that was, that was that. If you would bring up the next one, if you would, please. And this is under that rock. Uh, I went under the rock. I can tell you I've been here because I like to be able to give you things that I've actually seen and done. And, and this is under the rock, and I went under it. And there is a prayer meeting going on constantly. Well, in Islam, they pray five times a day. Now, there's some things we could pick up. Amen. Are you with me? Uh, they're so devoted. But what you find is that under the rock is these constant, continual prayer meetings. Something's going to have to happen if you would bring up the next one, brother. Something's going to have to happen because what Israel is wanting to do is Israel is going to, right now preparing to rebuild the temple. Uh, if you visit Israel, uh, I uh, challenge you to go to Jerusalem and go to Temple Mount Institute. This is Temple Mount Institute. And in Temple Mount Institute, they already have the things gathered. They're already ready to build the temple. They already have all the marble. They already have all the... The, uh, the furnishings, here's the, the candlestick. Uh, they have all the, everything is ready. All they need is a little piece of land. Temple Mount. 
And there happens to be a, a mosque. There happens to be a dome of the rock there. And the reality is there's 1.9 billion Muslims that count that sacred. There's something that's going to happen. I don't know if we'll get to see it before the rapture of the church or not. I've had people ask me this question, and this is, I, I, I preach every Wednesday night at Discovery Church, Yukon. And this is a series that I just did because uh, Pastor Marcus called me yesterday afternoon at 4.30. And I said, oh, wow, what, well, I'm not going to preach. And, and I said, Lord, help me get, get the right message. And, and the man I, feel, I heard him say, tell him about Israel. I believe we're living this out today. And I believe something is going to happen to remove that Dome of the Rock. If there was anything for you to watch for, and I mean, trust me with this. If this happens, you better have your bags packed because Jesus is coming back. And that is if anything happens to that Dome of the Rock, what, what we've seen in this conflict, Hezbollah, Hezbollah to the north, Hamas to the south, what we've seen in this conflict is something called stray missiles. Are you with me? All it would take, and, and I, I think the right place for it to come from would be Hezbollah or Hamas. But all it would take would be one stray missile to go. And that thing be removed. Okay. And then Israel regain control. They already have control of Temple Mount. They police Temple Mount, but they gave it back to the Muslims during, if you will, the six day war. And so it's when you step on Temple Mount now, you've, you've stepped into Muslim territory. But there's something going to happen that's going to give Israel back that piece of land. Because that's where the temple is going to stand. And that temple is where Antichrist, this is why I know it's going to happen, is going to go into the temple to be worshipped as God. Are you with me? So we're living in a time that is so exciting. We're living in a time just prior to the return of Jesus Christ. You get to be, and please look at me, you get to be the last day's church. Isn't that exciting? Uh, you get to be, and, and this is one of the things that I think of often, that is, man, Lord, thank you for letting me be a pastor, preacher at this time. Thank you for letting me. Thank you for entrusting me with, with this. And now look at me, please. Now I'm entrusting you. You've got the truth. What this tells me is this. God is sovereign. Now let's bring it down to where you live. You got some bills that need to be paid. If God can do all this, he can take care of that electric bill. Anybody say amen? You tell me that you've got a marriage on the rocks and you've got lost kids, lost grandkids who said they're never going to come to God. If God can do this, he can reach your lost family. Anybody say Amen. What this tells me is God is still sovereign. He's God upon the throne. The nations of this world are nothing in his presence. And the reality is if the nations are nothing, then I can tell you that sickness is nothing in his presence. That bondage is nothing in his presence. You can be delivered from meth. You can be delivered from anger and hate and unbelief. You can be delivered from any bondage of the enemy because God is greater than. Are you with me? Because trust me, if he can do this, 
He can take care of you and your need. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Father, we thank you that your word stirs our hearts and that in your truth we find our life. And Lord, I pray for across this congregation that if there's any here that are not right with you, I pray that right now the power of your Holy Spirit would reach out to them and draw them to you. I pray that anyone that would be here this morning that doesn't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that their heart's right with you and that their life is right with you and that, Lord, they're ready. They're ready to meet you. I pray that this morning would be the morning of their salvation. Father, you do that total work, that complete work in Jesus' name. With heads bowed, eyes closed, and, and Julie and, minister, and music ministers, if you would, please join me. I want to pray with those that are here this morning that are ready to accept Christ. If you're away from the Lord, now's your time to make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. I'm not going to ask you to walk to the front. I just want to pray with you, with you standing right there where you are. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. And all you must do is reach out by faith and receive the gift. And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Kerry, I, I need to dedicate my life to the Lord. I, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm right with Jesus. And I want to know I'm ready. If that's your heartbeat, would you hold up your hand? Because I want to pray for you. Would you hold up your hand right now? Now's your time. You're here this morning. You need Jesus. Would you hold up your hand? Because I want to lead you in a sinner's prayer of salvation and lead you to Christ. Any at all. Thank God for the opportunity. I'm going to ask another question. I had no hands that went up, and so I'm going to just say that, thank God we're ready for the Lord. Amen? Amen? But if you're here this morning, you have someone that you care for. you got a family member. you got a co-worker. you got children or grandchildren. Uh, someone in your heart that you know is just not right with Christ, and you want to intercede for them. Would you hold up your hand? And hands are going everywhere. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the stirring of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. And Lord, our hearts are burdened for our lost loved ones. And Father, we pray that you would break down every wall, that Lord, you'd remove every barrier between them and you. We pray that Lord, you'd bring them to that place of receiving you as Lord and Savior. And Father, we pray that in your love, that Lord, you would draw them in. May they see the lie of the enemy, how the enemy's trying to destroy their lives. And Lord, may they see the truth that their only hope is Jesus. So Lord, we intercede right now for our lost loved ones, our family members, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. And Lord, may they be ready. May they be ready. And may their hearts be yielded and surrendered to you. You do this total, complete work, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you as a church family, if you would, you're here this morning. Uh, I would love to challenge you to come around these altars and let's seek God for a while. If you would, pray for God's blessing to continue upon your church, God's anointing upon your pastor. Pray that the doors would be wide open and the lost would come. Anybody say amen. And it's all going to happen because you're willing to be a praying church. So I'm going to ask everyone that can and will, would you come and pray here? And if you can't make it here, just pray where you're at. And Father, right now we turn this into a prayer meeting. And Father, we, your children, seek your face in this hour. We thank you, Lord, that our eyes are open and our understanding is clear. We know the hour that we live.
Lord, may there be a spirit of urgency in your church. I pray for Pastor Marcus, that, Lord, you would anoint and equip him. And, Father, give him the vision of this hour that you want him to have. We pray that, Lord, the doors of this church would be wide open. And that, Lord, you draw in the lost. Draw them in, Father. Reveal to people the hour that they live. And reveal to them the, the timetable, the, the time frame. And give the urgency of how they desperately need you. Father, I pray for the right children's minister, the right youth pastor. God, put together the team here that you want. And thank you for the deacon board. And thank you for the vision. And Lord, may the vision and the passion of this church go forward for you. May it be a church in revival. May it be a church on fire. Lord, may it be a church reaching out for you. We know that in these last days, Father, that you're going to pour out of your spirit upon all flesh. We know that in these last days that those who call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And Lord, may we be that church. God bless Long Grove, Assembly of God Church, with a mighty move of your Holy Spirit. Take this church to that next level of effectiveness for you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in the past. Thank you for the blessings of yesterday. And God, we anticipate. We anticipate that that you're about to do. We anticipate. We're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you, Lord. We seek you. We seek you. Above all the 
thank you for the stirring of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence that can be felt. And Father, we may leave each other's presence, but Lord, we don't want to leave yours. May you be that ever abiding with your people. We pray your blessing upon this church. We pray your keeping for each one. And God, honor them with your blessings, your encouragement, your building of faith. May, may they have strength to stand. And, and Lord, we long for that day when, when every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. May you be exalted in and through us. In your name we pray. Amen. God is good. Amen. Bless your hearts. Thank you for being here. God love you.